Hey guys, this is Trent here. Uh, we love to have a lot of fun on the podcast. Uh, I do want to bring up one thing that someone on a serious note. So I'm trying to, to raise a little bit of money for a, a charity that, that's pretty important to me. It's called uh, Live for Evan. Um, it basically gives families a place to stay if they got to come to Boston Children's Hospital um, for um, you know, one of their kids to, to get some treatment while they're going through a pretty tough time. Um, so I'm trying to raise a little bit of money for that cause as I run uh, the Falmouth Road Race this year virtually. So if you have a chance, check out my Instagram page. You'll see the link for my GoFundMe. Um, Trent Fontanella on Instagram. You guys will have no trouble finding me. I got the P2B logo as my uh, profile picture. Check it out. Um, if, you, if you can give a few bucks, I, I would love that. I'd really appreciate it. If you can't, you know, it's worth going on there and reading about the cause and reading about the stories. It'll, you know, it'll make you feel good uh, about the, the good stuff that people are doing out there. So thank you in advance for that. Uh, one more note next week. We're definitely, I mean, Peak Too Early is definitely going to enjoy July 4th, right? We're going to take a few days off. We're going to slug a lot of beers, I'm sure. We're going to have a little bit of barbecue. Um, but we are in no way taking off, you know, the week from podcasting. We will be dropping an episode just one day later next week. So while you, you know, uh, a Wednesday night, you know, getting up super early to catch the P2E pod or staying up late Tuesday night, I know at least one of our listeners does that. Um, we'll see you guys on Thursday. So look for us Thursday morning. Keep on this is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner. And I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? I'm great, Steve. If, so if you had asked me about an hour and a half ago, probably wouldn't have been great. I was currently at that point staring at my fridge, trying to figure out what I was going to have for dinner. My wife hasn't been home for the past couple of days, so it's been a lot of takeout. And I was like, in one of those moments, I, I just couldn't do takeout again. And I needed to figure something out. And then the minute I realized that I could make pancakes for dinner, and I think I've talked about this at the top of the show before, but anytime you have pancakes for dinner, you need to talk about it. And as soon as I made that decision, I, I can't even explain to you how great I am. So I'm just living the best life right now. Breakfast, to, breakfast for dinner, always a good decision. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I was... I was doing better and then Mike just depressed me. I was just telling you guys how I was, I was trying to cook this delicious like chicken dinner, whatever tonight, like a full chicken breast. Uh, but it was frozen and I couldn't get the giblets out and now it's just sitting on the counter and I'm a little bit razzled because of the dinner. And also like, I don't know, man, I just been living, you know, I normally live in like Trent land, I think, but I feel like it's been bad the last week. I apologize to everyone. I missed out uh, on an interview that I don't want to give away just quite yet. Um, today I was totally surprised to, to find out that everyone was waiting for me on the podcast while I'm trying to pull the giblets out of my chicken. So, um, a little bit of a scramble. So it's going to be interesting. Who knows what's going to come out of my mouth tonight. And at the 27 video production studios, we got pro flow. How you doing, bud? I'm a little bit nervous because I know that I have lit a fire, uh, under Mike with my words last week. Um, and just to show you how little I know about running, I, I made a few phone calls. I've assembled the team because this will be a battle. Um, when I found out how fast you can actually run, I was like, Oh my God, what did I do? 
So that's all I'll leave it. I'm a little bit nervous. Um, there's some things I need to think about here and maybe negotiate something. Because, uh, like, you can run pretty fast, I've been told. So, Buddy, you know, there buddy, it is. I'm nervous, how, but I'm ready to go. Whatever arrangements you want to make, like you said, you lit the fire, and I'm on a mission. I haven't been this motivated in a long time. And to me right now, it's not a, you know, if I beat you, it's a how much I beat you by. So, you know, we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll come to some arrangements, but – I think no matter what, you're in, you got yourself in a little bit of trouble here. Well, Ike was on the golf course at a bachelor party this weekend, and I called Mike to talk about something else, and he was on a run when he answered the phone. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, like this is not good. <laughs> we couldn't be further on opposite ends right now. But, hey, we'll be fine. I can't wait. All right, boys. I got to tell you what. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fired up. And we're going to get right into it tonight, okay? So, we got a lot of heat for our takes on Christian Coleman last week. And guess what? You know, Steve, I just want to people are big mad. They're, oh, they're, they're big, big mad. mad. And, and I just want to say, I love it. You know what I mean? I thrive on enthusiasm. Like, give me this fire. Like, you know, I, 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 need, your, I need your criticism to keep this fire burning. But I just want to say, okay, like we're trying to make running, you know, track and field a legitimate sport that people follow. Right. And, you know, my favorite teams, the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Bruins. If somebody's coming at my guy on my team and there isn't definitive evidence that they are guilty, I'm going to fight to the death to defend my guy until they're proven guilty. All right. And guess what? On our team, Team USA, we have the number one that the number one runner in the most marketable sport market is marketable distance in our sport. Okay, the fastest guy in the world is wearing USA on his on his chest. So guess what? I'm gonna defend my guy. I'm gonna defend USA's best hope at a gold uh, in in the hundred meters. Okay, so I have a lot of things to say on this subject, but that's how I'm coming out. I'm coming out hot. So bring your hate, bring your hate. I'll take it on. Steve, so just quickly off the bat, I want to get this out into the world before you know all the little track and field uh, you know fans come crawling out of their caves and keep giving a shit. Listen. Christian Coleman, you know, was obeyed against the rules. Like what he did was against the rules and he misses three tests and it is what it is. And so according to the the rules in place, he was wrong, but that's not what we're talking about here. Like we're talking about, first of all, that that system is just absolute garbage. And secondly, it's not a matter of like, getting into all the nitty gritty all these track fans want to get into the the nitty gritty it's like it reminds me of my long feud with star wars fans right i always <laughs> say there's nobody there's nobody who hates star wars more than passionate star wars fans right like they just want to tell you everything that's wrong with star wars but then also tell you how much they love star wars at the same time that's how track and field fans are right they want to what tell an analogy. Love, right. They what want to tell you how much analogy. they love track and field, but at the same time, they want to tear apart everything that even makes this sport a little bit good. And then all of a sudden we have this guy who is the fastest man in the world and we go out on defense of him and say, Hey, he's our guy now. And we're going to defend him, even if he's wrong or no matter what, like he's our guy, we're getting behind him and everyone loses their damn mind because they don't want anything good in this sport. They want to see this sport fail, I guess, for whatever reason. And it's like, God, if you're a Red Sox fan and the Astros get caught for some kind of cheating scandal, you're going to lose your mind. If the Yankees get caught for some cheating scandal, you're going to lose your mind and call them cheaters and all this deal. 
<laughs> if the Red Sox get caught for some cheating scandal, you're going to be like, what are you talking Baseball. about? That's garbage. Yeah, like everyone's doing that, right? Like that's how sports work. That's what it, being a fan is all about. And that's what, that's what we're not understanding here. That's what we don't get. It drives me nuts. It's like people don't want to see the sport grow. If anybody thought that there were just some hot takes going on last week, if everyone was doing their best Stephen A impression, just – just, I wish you could see the video of this. Maybe we can post it. Just Mike's face is a tomato right now, looking like it's about to explode. Steve, I thought, was just going to punch the camera in front of his microphone. I mean, these guys are fired up. And I don't know if I'm going to take it as far as you just took it, Mike, where you're saying, even like if Coleman's wrong, we're going to be in his corner. But what I think we should do, and, and I want to come back to the peak too early side right now, if we don't have, I mean, we have the evidence that he missed the test, right? We have that. That's fine. We all agree he, he didn't do the test as he should have done. We don't know if he was actually using, you know, any performance-enhancing drugs. And until proven otherwise, what's wrong with being on benefit of the doubt? Like, what's wrong with, I'm sorry, being on, like, Christian side in this? If we have to... Can I I stop you for one second? Yeah. So I did some serious digging today, right, to prepare for this podcast. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit afraid that the more digging I did the more I was going to lean on the side of where everybody's coming at me from, the more I was going to lean, but be like, uh, you know, maybe this is a bad thing. I came out on the other end. I came out on the end convinced that this is bull crap. So did you know that one of these three whereabouts failure was what they call a filing failure? Are you guys aware of what a filing failure is? Absolutely not. Okay. No. So one of this whereabout failures happened is he because he forgot to file the fact that he was at Drake Relays. Okay? So it's an international event, one of the biggest track meets in the country, right? And so he just forgets to put the paperwork to, to say that he is going to be at one of the biggest events in the sport that weekend. Could you imagine, right? Like say they had this whereabouts thing in in, you know, football, right? And um, you know, the, the NFL comes knocking on Cam Newton's door when, on the week where the Patriots are in Buffalo, right? And they say, oh, Cam Newton's not around. He didn't file. He didn't tell us the fact that he was going to be in Buffalo this week. Could you imagine that happen? So the num- number one name in, in the 100 meters is at one of the top, one of the biggest races in the country. And because of that, he failed. He had one of the whereabouts failures. Did you know that? That to me, that blew my mind. I could not believe what I was reading when I read that. That is insane. That just goes back to my original point. It's like this whole, what we need to be attacking is this AIU, like just garbage system that's going on. There's, there just has to be a better way to do this. And it seems sneaky. And all the haters are, again, are going to come at us and be like, well, you know, all the other athletes seem to, you know, get by and Usain Bolt only had one whereabouts failure in his time and this and that and everyone else at base. It's like, all right, good for them. Mike, but I have an argument on that. Yeah, what you're to, saying. Do you want me to dig into Usain Bolt? Sure, I'll dig yeah, into let's, Usain Bolt. let's get into okay. that too. So, so, and here's the part of this whole thing that, that really, really upsets me, okay? In Jamaica, Usain Bolt is royalty. He is the biggest name in that country, maybe in the past, you know, I don't know, 50, 100 years. Like, he is legitimate royalty 
in Jamaica. I can't think of another athlete that is, that is so protected and, 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 a, and a, an entire country feels so passionate about maybe like Manny Pacquiao. I don't know if in the United States we could necessarily point to somebody because it's such a big country and we have so many great athletes and so many different sports, but Usain Bolt is the, like the definition of royalty in Jamaica. Okay. Somebody, you know, from one of these, these local testing agencies in Jamaica shows up to Usain Bolt, knocks on the door. He isn't there. Guess what that person's doing? They're sitting on his front stoop until Usain Bolt, the fucking king of Jamaica, shows up to get tested. So you have these people like looking out for their own where it's like, I feel like in the United States, we are so quick to tear down our own. We are so quick, quick to ring the doorbell and being like, oh, Christian Coleman's out Christmas shopping. Let's get the hell out of here and let's screw this guy, right? And like, then, come and on, every fan let's, rallies let's, let's, have a, let's have a little bit of faith. Let's, let's take a step to try and protect our best athletes, especially in a sport that's trying to grow. Right, and then every fan follows suit and every person who follows track and field. See, this is another thing that drives me crazy about track and field fans, right? Like we look at it on a world scale and I get it. You can appreciate athletes from other countries. We, you know, have friends of the program who are from other countries and we love them. But when it comes down to it, it's like just the general idea of being a, a general track and field fan and not having any allegiance to any team. And it's not like we're asking you to like, pick a club or something like that it's like if you're from the united states you should you know get behind your guys from the u.s but instead like you were saying you know where bolt was like you know the king we tend to demonize our athletes and find any reason to point a finger at them and to you know bring them down and it's it's just it's crazy yeah, if Usain Bolt was not where he was supposed to be, literally the whole country of Jamaica would go out looking for him, right? The drug tester was there on the front stoops, and then the word would spread like wildfire, and you would identify him regardless of what corner of the island he's on. But it goes to show you how important it is, you know, who the little mystery man with the, with the black shades is that's supposed to drug test you, you know, how much effort he puts into it. Like Coleman said, he didn't even get a call, right? Do you, do you call once and, and hang up, you know, halfway after three rings, right? Do you, do you leave six text messages and, and two voicemails type of thing, right? Do you, do you call his, you know, confidant, his closest people to know if they have an idea where Christian Coleman is? But I, I agree, Stephen. And I think you just kind of were like pushing the point I want to make. Let's, let's believe in Christian. If he had an actual positive test or there was like hard proof that Christian, then, then you don't screw Christian, right? We don't, we don't, I don't think, well, We've had discussions would be more fun if everyone's on it. But anyways, if not everybody's on it, then screw it. Like we want the sports to be clean. We want the best athletes that are doing it right to go to the front. But if there's some doubt there, then then why is it so bad that we just want to believe in our guy and root for our guy and give him the benefit of the doubt? And Trent, to what you were saying there with like uh, making a phone call and stuff like that, Christian didn't get a phone call that day saying like, hey, I'm you know here ready for a drug test. And you know to AIU's credit or whatever. They don't need to. It's in the rules that they don't need to. But with that said, it's like regular practice. You talk to a lot of athletes and there's a lot of athletes who've come out saying, yeah, it's regular practice. Like the last five to 10 minutes that they're waiting for you, they'll give you a courtesy call. And like, why wouldn't they? If there's only five minutes left, like why? In what world would you not give the guy a call and just be like, hey, dude, you got five minutes to get here and give them some kind of courtesy, some kind of chance to make the test, like, even if it's not in the rules, like, can we just be 
a human for one second. If it's not in the rules, maybe it should be. Like, what are we doing? And that speaks to the fact that these guys were almost like trying to get him or looking forward to like breaking, you know, breaking the news that they got, you know, the, the, the you know, the, you know, the world champion in the hundred meters, they, they weren't giving him the benefit of the doubt. And that just makes me so angry. And, you know, you, you brought up the, the, you know, athletics integrity unit, right. And this is their decision, right. It's their decision to make, which brings me to my next point. And I might be jumping ahead to news, but it applies exactly to what we're talking about. So the president of world athletics, Sebco comes out a, a guy who wields tremendous power in the sport. When he speaks up, like he kind of sets the tone and people are forced to listen. Now this isn't his decision to make. It's the, you know, the athlete, athletics integrity units decision to to make but he came out and said that essentially like he's putting his foot down and he doesn't see how this isn't a two-year suspension it's not his call to make right and he's he's essentially setting is setting the you know the you know where this the, the setting the direction of this decision essentially and he's basically saying like this needs to be two years but it's happened in the not too you know distant past where athletes have gotten one year for this right and he's just coming out and basically essentially saying that Chris, christian coleman should not have a, a shot at the olympics and to me that this is egregious like this shouldn't happen you know if he ends up getting two years by the the aiu you know so be it like what are we going to do we're going to bitch and moan on this podcast but it's their decision to make it's not seb Coe's decision to make yeah and he phrased it as like there will be no deal met with christian coleman and like, what are we talking about a deal here? It's not like we're like bartering on the street over this. Like, this is an investigation. There's a lot that goes into this and it's going to be made, you know, based on everything that comes to. And what Christian's, you know, proposing is saying, hey, here, here's what actually happened. Here are the facts. Here was, you know, where I was, what I was doing. Like I said, he had his Chipotle receipts and all that. So he's not like saying like, hey, let's like, let's cut a deal here. He's saying, you know, I, I'm giving you the facts. You like, it's your turn to make a decision now. And like you said, Seb Coe is going to have influence over these people, whether we yeah. like it or not. And, and, and whether it's fair or not, like these guys are supposed to be independent contractors doing their job. But if a guy like Seb Coe comes out and speaks on it, essentially the commissioner of our sport, right? Like you can't, you, you can't make the argument that it's not going to have some kind of bias or influence on the yeah. decision that's made. Should there be more in-between punishments for this type of thing? Should yes. there be, if you miss one or miss two, now all of a sudden you're subject to at least weekly testing, right? So you know you don't have time to, to put whatever God knows you can into your body to cover up tests, right? If you miss uh, a three, maybe there's a three to six month suspension, or maybe again, you just keep jacking up the, the amount of times you get tested. So that way there's no way you could kind of hide and get away with, uh, you know, doing drugs and not being detected. Maybe Christian has to pay for drug tests moving forward. He had to, you know, pay a fine for the people's time that went out there to kind of check it. But two years for something where, um, you know, we have two cases here. One was the Drake relays you brought up, Steve, and this one is, uh, you know, I mean, it's Christian's word, but it's, it's a pretty, you know, innocent uh, night out, according to Christian, you have two cases where you can, you know, kind of feel bad for Christian that he got uh, in trouble in the way that he did. And maybe there's another punishment to go about it. Like I said, maybe you just jack up the amount of times you test them and you make them pay, you know, a fine to cover for those extra tests or something like that. This is the part that like, I mean, there's so many parts of this that I keep digging into that really, really bother me. But we're talking about the Olympics. 
Like we're talking about, you know, a guy like Christian Coleman has won maybe two shots at that gold medal and he's at the top of his game. And like, this is something you, you not only you schedule and structure your whole career around, but like for a track athlete, it's, it's the majority of your life. You like, you're taking out like your, your, you know, decades of your life to prepare for this, this moment and, and to peak for this moment. And I'm just going to say this, like, if you take Christian Coleman out of the Olympics without a failed drug test, then to me, the hundred meter gold medal in the Olympics in, in 2021 doesn't mean anything. That medal means shit to me. Whoever wins that, like, didn't, in my opinion, didn't earn it. They didn't go against the best in the world. So that, that's just like, that's just my take on it. Like whoever wins, the, if, if Christian Coleman isn't running in the, that race, whoever wins the gold medalist, it's not my gold medalist. I mean, I, I hate putting asterisks on anyone that, that wins a gold medal, regardless of who the competition is that day. Um, so I don't know if I would agree with you, Steve, but I get what you're saying, right? Nobody wants to go there and watch the, the rest of the best guys in the world compete. We all want to watch Christian compete. And the other guys want to compete against Christian. Nobody wants to go, you know, you, you hear like crappy athletes like myself say, oh, I hope the good guys don't show up at the road race so that I have a chance to win. None of the world-class athletes want that. They want to go up against the best so they can prove themselves. So uh, it's, sure. it's really, yeah, nobody wins in that situation. Yeah, I mean, when Bolt was at the top of his game, nobody, if you won a championship or something that Bolt didn't show up to or was injured or, I mean, you knew, you knew in your mind that, yeah, okay, I have this gold medal and that's good for, for me. And, and I'm proud of that. But in the back, somewhere in the back of your mind, you knew that I'm, I'm just lucky that that guy didn't show up type of thing. Right. And you're, you're right, Trent, maybe it shouldn't be an asterisk, right? Like whoever shows up the Olympics when they win the gold, like that's right. Like they, they earned that gold medal, but in that person's mind and the somewhere in the back of their mind, they'll know that Christian Coleman wasn't on the line with them and they didn't beat, have to beat Christian Coleman. And, you know, it is what it is. It, it's just another example of we got to be better. We got to figure out a way to, to make this better. And we, listen, I want a clean sport. We all want a clean sport, but we, we want to be fans of a sport. Like, we we want to like, get excited about a sport. Yes. Yes. And like when you can't even like make an argument with all the, well, actually this, well, actually that it's like, all right, whatever. Like, I guess we just won't cheer for anybody and we'll just like, we're all fans of the AIU and the, you know, Sebco. Yellow like we should, yeah. We should just, yeah. We should go get like Sebco. Let's go, let's go to a meet and just made. cheer for the officials. Fuck. I was, I was just thinking, Steve, uh, when we were talking about PEDs and, and performance, whatever doping going on, the distance guys, you had an idea a while back where people had to, you know, give up their earnings if they ever got caught twice to, to the other people. So this is not a, a podcast that is just going to defend guys to the end that get caught for, for doing drugs here. We're not, we're not just saying, you know, screw all the rules and let everybody do what they want. We want integrity to the sport. Um, but there's a difference between that and giving your guy, you know, the benefit of the doubt when he gets in trouble for more of a, a, a detailed rule infraction than being caught red-handed doing dope. If you get caught red-handed, I think, like I said, we've all, we've all been in the position and made a case for, you know, increasing the punishments for those people. I think you said, Steve, too, to like make it five years sometimes to cut out two Olympics for them. Like, it's not like we're, we're yeah. trying to give all the leniency in the world to people that get caught red-handed. Um, but there's a difference between that and then, you know, a rule infraction where you're not there at that one hour a day, 365 days a year, uh, three times in, in 12 months. 
this system just seems old, dumb, and stupid. Like, there's got to be a better system. Like, I, I, I just keep going back to the Drake relays. And, like, there's a, there's a good chance that Christian Coleman got tested at the Drake relays. Like, there's a very good ch- – I, I, I could go down that, that road forever, but I'll just say this. Like, the hate, to the haters, like, you have made me better. Like, you have made me more educated than this, and you have cemented my opinion, and I'm willing to go toe-to-toe with anybody on this. So thank you to the haters. And you know what? If Christian Coleman does, does get popped one day, like, if he, if he, you know, gets caught, you know, using performance-enhancing jobs, I will tip my cap and call the haters my daddy, right? Like, like, like I will be wrong. But until that day, like, I'm going to defend our guy. I'm going to defend the guys that I'm a fan of. That's just, that's how I want sports. That's how I, how sports are for me. And that's how I want this sport to be. So, you know, hate on me for wanting track and field to be more fun to watch. And to any new listeners, uh, we're usually not this angry, you know, usually we're having a good time out here, you know, cracking jokes and, you know, having a good time drinking some beers. This is, uh, we're pretty angry. How many riding dirties are we going to have to run back to back for that? Is that a three riding dirty right there? (laughs) Four riding pretty, dirty, pretty long segment. I was just gonna say, like coming at it from my view, I don't care if it's baseball, football, track, whatever. Like, if you have a league, you obviously have to, you know, make sure it's a clean league or whatever. But it just seems so counterproductive to do it the way that they do it because you're you're looking for a problem rather than trying to keep the sport clean. So, like, w- is it g- good for the sport at all if this guy doesn't run in the Olympics? No, no, it's terrible. No, it makes, so yeah, why it makes, is it like a tricky thing? Like also, dude, show up for your friggin' drug test, like figure it out. But it just seems counterproductive to me. And like, it doesn't help the sport at all. Love the perspective flow. Love the perspective. So we got into a little bit of the running news. We kind of jumped the gun on that, but let's officially kick off the running news. So, you know, in a podcast that we're going to be angry and pessimistic, let's talk about some more shitty things, right? Uh, So the next news story we got is COVID keeps taking uh, more casualties. We lost the New York City Marathon. We lost the pre-classic. We lost the UConn men's cross country team. And most recently, we have lost the Williams cross country team. Listen, so I don't think we, we lost the Williams cross-country team. I think we just lost fall sports from Williams just oh. for this year. All right, Flo, cut that. No, it's it a classic headline, right? You get the headline to bring the readers in, and then, and then you <laughs> actually yeah, get real, the real stories and the I, details there. No, no matter what, like – I bet I bounce back and forth like a ping pong match on like optimistic Mike, pessimistic Mike. I am hardcore pessimistic Mike. We are just not going to get any racing anytime soon. Like not anytime soon. We're going to, I hope you guys are enjoying these like ridiculous virtual experiences that we're getting right now. Cause that is all we got. That's it. That's it. It's all we got. So New York city marathon being canceled. No surprise, right? Pre-classic being canceled, I mean, no surprise. You're not going to have these big events anytime soon. We bring people in across the world. But when I read the, the show notes from, from Mike Gendron over here saying UConn cross countries out, I don't know if it's just because we're New England guys, but that felt just heartbreaking to me. I mean, UConn had a good program, right? I remember lining up against them at New England's every year, and they were always one of the favorites to win New England's. Um, that's a damn good team. And the fact that these teams are getting cut, it's not like the 
the the AD is saying, hey, you know what? We can't. We're not going to have fall sports like maybe in the Williams College, but we're not going to be able to do cross country for a, you know a four year period, right? We're suspending the cross country team because financially we just not going to be able to pull it off because everything is you know up in the air right now. I mean, these stars are just getting cut left and right, and it's it's just heartbreaking, man. Like UConn, just for some reason, that one hit home more than any other ones, probably because we're local. But that's a big program and lose a cross country team. It's because they they they're a, a school that took pride in their distance programs whether it was on the track or in the cross country. And, and it was like, we all know guys that we ran with. It was like, Oh man, that guy's going to Yukon. Like he was legit, you know? So I think mm-hmm. for us, that one, that one definitely hit home. Um, seeing the Williams fall sports canceled is like very, very scary. The fact that D three is just like, Hey, fall sports aren't a thing. Like Mike said, it is just, it's a bad sign for things to come, you know, pre-classic getting kids. Like, I think we, we all knew that the major marathons were going to get canceled. We, 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 we felt Boston was going to get canceled. We felt New York city marathon was going to get canceled because you can't have right now, you can't have people coming from around the world to big cities gathering in groups of tens of thousands. Like you just can't have that right now. But then to see like D three programs just being like, yeah, fall sports aren't going to happen. It's, it's very scary. Pre-classic got canceled. There's rumors about potentially like a USA, open track meet, which is, it's not really going to be a USA championship, but it's going to take the place of USA championship for 2020. But like everything we're seeing and everything we're reading points to that not happening. So it's, it's a, it's a scary time for, for just sports in general. Even, even if there's some athletes and organizers that get something together, I mean, no big sponsor is going to come in and put the money behind an event to make it happen and make it legit with this crisis going on. It'd just be a PR nightmare if anything bad happens. So, you know, people may try and get on the track um, for some small things, but it, it's not going to be legit whatsoever. Yeah, I think we like started to feel optimistic with all kind of the major sports announcing comebacks and there's golf going on, but you know, even the golf this past weekend spread a bunch of COVID cases and whatever. Let's let's move on to, you know, a more fun topic. I'm, I'm done with the angry and the sad and the pessimistic. Let's talk about this team boss, uh, you know, mile that went down this weekend. So team boss, they were trying to break the men's and women's Colorado state mile record. And, you know, FlowTrack put on this whole thing. And to FlowTrack's credit, it was live and free if you watched it live. But it was 1030 at night, <laughs> so I didn't watch it live on a Saturday. Yeah, great. Let's watch 1030 at night. Let's watch a you know a mile on a Saturday night. Um, so I went to go watch the replay. It, that's behind a paywall. But we're not going to get into that. That's not what this is about. Emma Coburn broke the Colorado record. Morgan McDonald, our guy, just barely guy. missed it. And the story I really want to get into is <laughs> Morgan McDonald in a post-race interview. The first question he gets asked is break down the race for me. And almost like in a rebellious way to just be <laughs> like, I am sick of that question. Morgan answers it with like, you know, uh, you know, the first lap kind of hurt. The second lap hurt a little bit more. The third lap hurt more than the last one. And the last lap hurt the most. <laughs> And uh, I mean, just the most classic answer. It was hilarious. It was perfect Morgan where he like kept a straight face the whole time. He is the man. I love it. And just what, just what a stupid question to start an interview with. 
I, I hope Morgan becomes the Popovich of just post-race yeah, interviews where he sure. just spits out gibberish and whatever. But people should listen to Steve when he was at the uh, when he had the press credentials. You had some great questions for the That's guys, right. uh, Steve. So it's not. I mean, I guess it takes it takes one athlete like Morgan to actually like come out and just be you know funny about it or, or an a hole about it, depending on how you look at it. For uh, the reporters to realize actually that is a stupid question, right? Like. Just describe that whole experience for me, you know, in 15 seconds or less or something like that. So, yeah, that that was great for Morgan. I mean, the reason we're doing this is because there's so much great things about our sport and we love our sport. But when it comes down to it, something like a mile, pretty simple, right? You just you run four laps and they're going to progressively hurt more and more. So, like, when I saw that, I was just like, this is amazing. Like, you just broke down this you just broke down the sport so quickly and so simply and pretty much like made fun of the reporter asking it at the same time just amazing morgan's the man um i will say though that they were going after the colorado state record do you guys know who currently holds the colorado state record absolutely i'm gonna go with uh joe clucker our guy, Joe Clicker. So his record stands, and I think he like tweeted something out like, "I'm the only one happy that the record didn't get broken." So like, like he, he's Joe, Joe's a Joe's a funny guy. So um, yeah, I, I I I wish that I was like like my said it was a, it was a Saturday night. You know, I was pumped that they was going to be recorded. I was planning on watching the next morning, and uh, yeah, if you don't if you don't have that 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 if you're not getting through that paywall, you're not watching it. I do. I, I'm going to full disclosure. I, I did not watch the race on Saturday night, but I don't have any issue with 1030 at night showing, right? Like if you, if you do have a couple track fans around and it, this is different, right? This is, this is the world of COVID that we live in where we're not having, you know, little get togethers on weekends where you have your boys around like, Oh, let's, let's throw it up on the TV for 20 minutes type of thing. Um, I think most people are doing slightly different lifestyle these days. So that's a little bit tough timing, but Good point. I'm cool with that, man. I'm cool with 1030 on a Saturday night to, to showcase it, you know, especially, I mean, it's never going to be on a bar or something like that, but on time there's no other sports going on and people are looking for things to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm cool with that time. Sure. Good point. Good point. All right, boys, let's get into our interview with Annie Coons. Annie Coons is a heptathlete. Last year, she was second in the country. She was 13th at Worlds and she's a, she's an Olympic hopeful. And this is the second time that we've talked to Annie Coons. Annie Coons was part of the infamous Lost episode where I wasn't around for that one. And Mike and Trent recorded an, epi- uh, an interview with her and uh, forgot to hit the record button. So we had to uh, apologize to her for that. So this is, just, this is just Mike and I on this interview. Trent was on vacation. So let's get into it. Um, I'm Steve, and then Mike's the other guy. So you talked to Mike last time. Trent isn't right. here. Um, so we don't know why. He was supposed so, to be here. He ghosted us. So because, oh, Trent, no. <laughs> because Trent isn't here, we're going to blame the fact that the last time we interviewed you and the audio got all screwed up, it was 100% Trent's fault. I'm going to so, say Trent's to blame then. <laughs> yeah. He's to blame. He's always to blame. <laughs> uh, so where are you at right now? Uh, I'm in San Clemente, so like, southern, like Orange County, Southern California. Very nice, very nice. Getting some good training in? Yeah, I'm trying to. Um, they just this week started like the process of, of trying to go back to the center in San Diego. So um, I've just been sneaking on to parks and stuff up until like the last couple of weeks when stuff started opening up um, and just trying to trying to get in as much as I can. I had a gym, thankfully, this whole time. Um, we had a connection, so that's been good. But it's just been kind of 
on my own for the last like 12 weeks. <laughs> I mean, we, we mostly talk to distance runners. I mean, we're, we're former distance runners and yeah. you know, they're just, they're just out there hitting the roads, finding trails to, to do yeah. workouts on, but a multi-sport athlete like yourself, I can imagine it was really difficult during this time to just get in the workouts that you need to get in. Yeah, totally. Um, it's hard. Like at, well, at first, like when quarantine started, I, I don't think everyone anticipated it lasting as long as it has. Um, so I kind of was trying to find parks and like keep up my technical training, like do my, like I ordered some hurdles with the stipend that USATF sent us. Um, so I got like some power hurdles and like my shot put, I like took a corner of the park and just like ruined it (laughs) with my shot put. (laughs) Um, and then was trying to keep up with like, you know, wickets and just like my drills stuff. Um, and then the last like you know, three weeks, I kind of shifted where I was like, okay, this isn't really going away. It doesn't like, like we're going to have a season. So I'm going to kind of shift my training. So that's been a little bit easier. I've just been doing like hills and stairs and um, some sprint stuff in the park and just trying to manage it as as best as I can. (laughs) Sure. So Annie, last time we talked, you know, our OG listeners will remember we, we referred to it as the, the last episode. And yes, uh, we, had, we, we had a great conversation. You know, you were in Doha, you were, you know, graciously took time out of your, you know, time at the world championship in between doing events to, to talk to us idiots. We had and a then, lot of time to kill. So it was no yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure. But it's, it, it's still a lot for someone who's competing in a world championship. To, and then, you know, we go ahead and screw it up. So I guess going back to, to where we were, I'm trying to find a way to not ask, you know, all the same questions that we asked last time, but still making a great fine. interview. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, what, how did that world championship end up? You know, you finished 13th in, in the yeah. world and the heptathlon. How did that, you know, feel for you and, you know, coming out of the world championship, where is your mindset different than, you know, the last time we talked? Yeah. Um, I mean, going into, Doha I was I felt like I was just kind of like a sponge trying to soak everything in because it was my first experience at a world championship I was just so grateful to be there um and just wanted to kind of just take advantage of the experience and soak it all in um and then I think like after day one um I I think I had a PB in like pretty much every event uh or it was close it was like close to my hurdles and my high jump were PBs and then my shot put in my 200 were like really close to my PB. Um, so I was like fifth place going into day two. And that kind of for me was an eye opener where I, I was, you know, at first I was just grateful to be there and just wanted to enjoy the experience and do, you know, just have fun with it. Um, and then I kind of realized like I can hang with the big dogs type of thing. Like I was in fifth going into day two. So that was really exciting for me um, because if I can just clean up um, get more consistent in long jump and then clean up jab and uh, make some improvements there. Like I'd be right there at the, at the top of the pack. So it really just lit a fire in me to, and motivated me to come back and, and fine tune those areas that I need to get better at. Um, because it just kind of opened my eyes that I, that I can hang and, and potentially, you know, medal if in the next few years. So so do you think that, I mean, it stinks that the Olympics is, is pushed back here. I mean, we, yeah. you know, our, our entire sport revolves around this once every four years, but is yeah. there any part of you where it's like, I have one more year to get just that much better? Yeah, I, I think at first when, obviously when the news came out, they didn't know if we were going to postpone or cancel. There's all these different emotions going on. And then, um, then to finally get the answer that, we, that it was postponed, um, it's definitely a shock for me, at least it was at first, just because we, you know, we put our lives on hold pretty much for 
these four years and, and we were kind of in the home stretch of things and I was coming off a really good indoor season. So I was really excited to kind of see where the season was going to go. Um, so at first I was really upset. It took a while. It took a couple of weeks to kind of let it settle in. And then I kind of shifted my mindset where I've obviously played college or played soccer in college. And so these last few years, I feel like I've really started to kind of figure out the heptathlon. Um, so I think another year is just going to help me, um, because I think my ceiling's a little bit higher still, and I have more time to kind of, like I said, get better in those events, um, and try to, try to place higher in, in the world and, um, you know, go to one Olympics, maybe two, I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's a positive thing for me. So this was something that we talked about a lot last time, but so the heptathlon is, it's such a cool event, right? Because you're taking... Mm -hmm disciplines from all over the place you have to have like the most athletic people in track and field doing this <laughs> but the the thing that we talked about is it, it makes it hard to follow because a lot of people don't understand the point system and the so, scoring yeah. and it, it, it's complicated yeah. and you know I've tried to learn it and I still can't really figure it out is there a way that like we can simplify this make it better so people can actually get excited and like really appreciate what you guys are doing out there? Yeah, I mean, well, I just, if you just Google heptathlon calculator, it makes it a lot easier to put in <laughs> your scores. And that's what I use because so, it's still, you know, confusing. And there's obviously events where it's kind of like the sprinting events, like the 200. If I cut like a second off my 200, it's going to be like a thousand points or something ridiculous. So um, there's different events where you can gain more ground if you cut off some time or throw a little bit further, like the javelin, you gain a lot more points. Um, I, I don't know that there's like a, a way to simplify it. I think it's always going to be kind of like one of those, you got to pay attention for two days. <laughs> um, but I think that I, I do wish that it had a little bit more um, exposure because I think that we kind of get like a little highlight reel of the two days usually like when it is um, broadcast. So that's kind of unfortunate. And it's usually just like the top, you know, two or three people that they're kind of highlighting. We don't get, really get as much exposure. Um, and that makes it hard for like sponsorships and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I notice a lot when you get to a broadcast, right? You turn it on, say the coverage starts yeah. at four o'clock. The first thing they'll do is they'll be like, oh, you know, run through a quick highlight reel of the heptathlon, the death right. decathlon from earlier in the day. And they show a few events and then it's almost like, right. now let's get to, you know, the real track events. And it's exactly. like, what, what, what are you talking like, like, what just USA's, happened? At USA's, we're usually like two days before everyone else. Right, <laughs> There's yeah. not really that many fans in this, in, you know, it, it's just different. Um, so I do wish that was a little bit different that we kind of were more in the middle of the pack with everyone. <laughs> Don't even get us started on how poor <laughs> the, the broadcasting is for, for our sport. I mean, they could for be sure. doing so many things different and, and mm -hmm. the heptathlon and decathlon is, is right near the top of my list of things that they can improve because yeah, because it's a two day event, it makes it very interesting. I almost see it almost like a like like the way that people pay attention to a golf match right golf it's tournament a, yeah, exactly. exactly it's it's a yeah. multi-day thing you know they yeah. they see the scoring they're it's exciting for the next day yeah <laughs> i mean i i think that it could it could be one of the premier events in our sport yeah and then i mean you go to places like uh, like when we go to Gotsis every year um that's like the biggest you know the biggest heptathlon decathlon event in the world outside of the olympics and stuff that like the whole town shuts down, like the whole town shuts down for the two days. Like everyone's out there the full two days. They all know like our PBs and they really make it like an experience. And it feels like kind of like you said, like a golf tournament, there's drinking, it's a party, like 
the whole atmosphere is completely different. And I think that's part of the reason why such big scores happen there is because you feed off of that energy that you have, like in the crowd and, and that atmosphere. And uh, I wish, I wish we had it more in the States. <laughs> what, what event is that? That's at Gatsis. It's in uh, Austria. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like my favorite. It's our favorite heptathlon of the year. Let's put it on the list, Mike. We're going there. Yeah, that sounds yeah, amazing. We're making a list of the top, uh, you know, events in the sport that we want to go to. So yeah, that's definitely one of the top ones, and it's only they only have the heptathlon and the decathlon, so there's no other events that they do. Very cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So another thing that we talk about too is like you know, even if it's manufactured, just having rivalries in the sport, you know, that gains interest, even if it's just for you know the fans and you know perspective and stuff like that. Right. But um. You know, I think about it because you guys are around these athletes for two straight days and you're competing against them nonstop. Yeah. Do you think that being around the same athletes competing against them, like I said, for that long consecutive time, does it create like more of like a bond and like a friendship between you guys or does it make it more tense and, you know, you want to beat them even more because of that? Yeah. um, That... that it's, I think the heptathlon is unique in that way um, because you would think like we would all hate each other because we're yeah. around each other so much and we're very competitive. Sure. But I think in the heptathlon, <laughs> you know that like we all kind of have different strengths. And so like, oh my God, like this is the shot put. This is where I thrive. And like someone could get a PR, PB and they got dead last in the shot put, but it's still a good day for them because they got a PB. So it's kind of like a unique situation where you can kind of encourage each other. And you, I think we all just understand the struggle of being a heptathlete and like the toll it takes on your body emotionally and physically. Um, so I think it ends up being more of like a bonding experience. And like, by the end of it, we're just like all so happy it's over (laughs) and we can do a victory lap and we can go hang out and drink with each other. Um, so I think it's definitely like we end up being more friendly and friends and more than anything, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Every time I, every time I tune in to watch that heptathlon at decathlon and it's towards the end, everybody's cheering each other on and yeah. you're, you're, you're happy for each other. And, and the, yeah. you know, where my mind goes with this is, you know, once this is over, you know, this group must go out there and party. You got a people, yeah. group of people <laughs> from all different countries that have just, you know, been competing against each other for a couple of days. It must be uh, must be a good time. Yes. Yeah, it's just such, like heptathlon and decathlon is just so draining, not physically, but emotionally as well. Like it's just such a roller coaster. Um, so I just feel like a weight off my shoulders when we cross the finish line for the 800. Um, and I think that's just across the board. Everyone kind of feels the same way and can't wait to go, you know, drink some champagne. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a completely unrelated question. So in our research, we, we saw that your dad is a Super Bowl champion. Is this correct? He, he is. He is. So, he um, played for the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're like, you know, meet him for the first time or at a party with him, how many times does he bring that up in, in conversation? He never, on, honestly, my ah. dad is super humble. Yeah, he like, he will only talk about it, like, if you ask him direct questions, which we all do, because like, the stories that that man has from being a Raider are like, he, he told me he won't tell me half of them until I'm 30, so <laughs> <laughs> if that gives you any indication, um, but he he's not one to like you probably never know that um if you met him and he he never really wears his super boring and he doesn't even tell any of us where he ha- where he keeps it <laughs> i would never take that thing off i would no, never me either. 
I would tell every single person that I ever came across that I was a Super Bowl <laughs> champion. <laughs> but the the Raiders, they they're like um they're really big into kind of the the fraternity of being a being a Raider where it's like they yeah. do they do, you know, if you if you were ever a Raider, you get invited to all the parties and everything. That must be awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Growing up I've met like they would have these like Raider type like get togethers for former players and stuff. So I would go to them with my dad a lot. Um and uh he keeps in touch with with some uh, quite a few of them. Um and and Madden, Coach Madden was uh, – John Madden was his coach, obviously. He just named – so we, my dad just named his dog. They just got a French bulldog. He named, they named him Madden Very <laughs> after cool. John Madden. <laughs> so, I, you know, kind of bring this, this uh, interview for full circle. Something I've always been kind of curious about where, you know, it's, it's such the, – the heptathlon decathlon is such a unique event. How do you get into that? Like, how does that – how do you like kind of get into this multi-sport and figure out that you're good at all these different, different events and, you know, kind of commit to it as I want to be a, a, a collegiate heptathlete. I think you realize that you're not good enough to just do one. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I always joke that I'm like above average at a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, in high school, I, um, I obviously played soccer and then um, I ran track and they're in the same season. So I would just go and do track meets. Um, and they would just kind of throw me in everything. So I got thrown in like the triple jump, long jump, high jump, uh, the four by two and the hundred and 300 hurdles. So when I was going to schools to look for, when I would go on scholars or go look for, uh, schools for soccer, um, I would go meet the track coach and pretty much all of them were like, Oh, you should be a heptathlete. Like that would be the perfect thing for you. Um, and I had no idea what it was. And, um, and then I just, I, I just kind of fell into it in college and, uh, ran my first 800 in, I think my freshman year of college and was like, what the heck did they just sign me up for? <laughs> but I think yeah. you just kind of like, or I think it's a lot of those, those athletes that can do a lot and they just kind of are like the utility player. <laughs> for track. Right. Yeah. See, like I, I appreciate your humility in saying that, but I don't know <laughs> if I'm buying it because I know like a lot of like just below you know elite <laughs> runners distance runners and i guarantee you not a single one of them could could do a decathlon or have decathlon. they're the most unathletic people i know so you need to be like an incredible athlete right like you it just you need to have that so, something different something unique that allows you yeah. to not only be able to you know run a mid-distance event and have the hips to get over hurdles and to pick up a shot put that if you tried to watch me pick up right now it would be the funniest thing you've you know seen all quarantine so yeah no I appreciate the humility but I, I don't Thank know if I'm you. buying it I don't know <laughs> it is a lot I mean obviously the heptathlon is a lot of technical stuff and I think I did a lot of it growing up um so like the, like I didn't have to learn the hurdles once I hit college so things like that same with like triple jump and long jump and stuff so I think it just kind of I grew up doing all that so the transition wasn't uh necessarily too hard going into the top farm. Well, Annie, thank you so much for taking some time out of your night to give us our second interview. Um, It's been (laughs) a lot of fun, but we end every interview with a quick game. I'm sure you remember from last time. So Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? Yes, I I think this is literally exactly what we did the last time, but down the home stretch, we're going to rapid fire questions at you. And so this is like, if we were to substitute this event into the heptathlon would it make you better or worse so steve's gonna hit you with the first <laughs> okay. question let's do it. okay compared to the other heptathletes if they threw in a marathon how would you do oh, terrible <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i barely make it around two laps are you kidding okay. 
All right. If uh, the the next event in the heptathlon was Monopoly, are you gonna be better or worse? <laughs> I'd say better. I've been I've been playing during yeah. I was gonna say quarantine. So all, all right. What if they threw in a three point competition? How would you do? Three point like basketball? Yeah. <laughs> the fact that I have to ask that probably worse. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see. What about uh, what about blackjack? Ooh, blackjack. Um. I would say better. I just I was in Vegas last year and that was the only thing I played and I got kind of I was pretty lucky. So I'll say better. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> what about field goals? Field goals better. For okay, sure. for sure. For Come sure. on. Soccer, right. player. soccer player. player. That's right. And you got football in your in your jeans. Fun fact, my uh, best friend and I in high school went out and out kicked our high school football kicker. So better <laughs> all right what about a beer mile a beer mile oh gosh probably worse i can't handle my worse. liquor <laughs> <laughs> mike just stole my last one so that's gonna be it but thank you so much thank you so much for coming on this has been a ton of fun you know we're all super bummed that this year got canceled but we're gonna be cheering for you going into 2021 Oh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. No problem. All right. That interview with Annie Coons is brought to you by Bell Lap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lap boys. Look good, feel good, run good. Listen, we spent like the first 30 minutes of this interview screaming about Christian Coleman and about how we got to get behind our athletes. And that's why we partner with Bell App, right? Is because we want to get behind our athletes. We appreciate these guys in the sport and what they're doing. And we want to make sure that, you know, they can make a living off of this thing. So go to their Instagram page at Bell App Track and Field. Check out their gear. They got sick stuff. Everything's going back to those athletes to make this sport a better place. I know we got a lot of Tin Man fans out there. They got Tin Man Tuesday coming up. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, when are we going to drop this? Tuesday or Wednesday? I mean, we always drop on Wednesday. Well, I were recording earlier this week, so I didn't know if you wanted to get something out for Tin Man Tuesday. But if you missed Tin Man Tuesday this week, then look for uh, Tin Man Tuesday next week. <laughs> Tin Man Tuesday. So, Trent, I must say, I thought me and Steve did – a very nice job interviewing Annie. Uh, I thought it was a great interview, but I must say, I think the best interview ever done in peak to early history was the last episode with me and you. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever top that. That was a, a fire episode. I mean, the fact that Annie came on again after us, like hooligans couldn't figure out how to record the interview with her um, is kind of insane and good for Annie. And if I don't, uh, if I remember correctly, too, right? Didn't didn't we have to wake up at like four a.m. that day to get that Annie interview in? So, Trent, the this we haven't fully gone into it, but the saga of interviewing Annie Coons has been a long one. So, she was at the World Championships, and me and you woke up at four thirty in the morning to interview her one day, and she got caught long at practice when she was in Doha. So she missed the interview. So we were up at 4.30 in the morning and didn't interview her. So somehow so getting ready for world championships is more important than the peak. Yeah, really somehow. I, so I don't understand how that's possible. Any. But then so the next day, back-to-back -back days, and this is like a Tuesday and a Wednesday in the middle of the week, we wake up at 4.30 in the morning again and interview her, and that's when we didn't record. So we woke up 
back-to-back days at 4.30 in the morning and didn't get a single second of interview out of it. I mean, we are the biggest idiots in the entire planet. Yeah, yeah. And then to just, you know, keep the idiot train going over here, uh, I just spaced and missed the interview that you guys with Annie this time. So not only did I try to interview her twice and we didn't have anything to show for it, I just missed the one that came around uh, uh, this time. So, uh, Annie, one day, you know, give me a couple more years, like maybe, but one day you and I will be on a podcast together on a Peak Twirly podcast. Maybe when, it's, maybe when you're getting ready for the Olympics next year. It's that, that Doha, Coons. that Doha saga was, uh, was quite the stretch. I mean, we were waking up at like four o'clock in the morning, like all the time to get interviews. That was like, that was a wild stretch. You forget about that. I mean, we were grinding. We were waking we up at three, four in the morning before work, getting in like banking and all these interviews, calling into people from, from Doha. I mean, it was kind of badass and I liked what we were doing, but I'm glad that we kind of are back <laughs> to a normal schedule here. Well, it, it kind of solidified what we were doing for me because like, I was just like, all right, if these two guys are willing to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and bank these interviews with me, like we're in it for the long haul. So I think it was an important time in podcast history. I'd say they were probably the more tame interviews we do because usually we're like four Miller Lights deep by then. <laughs> they're our most those, sober interviews. <laughs> yeah, those ones we were just like drinking coffee, trying to stay awake during those, those interviews. Those were like the classic, you know, you're yawning or whatever. And as soon as the camera comes on, you have to like snap yourself into it <laughs> like you're acting or something. And then it's like immediately after. Usually we like shoot the shit for a while, but immediately after those, it's like, all right, good night, guys. I'm <laughs> just going back to bed. All right, boys. So we are... I when Mike mentioned this to me, I actually couldn't believe it. But we're like halfway through the year. And six months ago, we made some New Year's resolutions. And so we're in the summer, you know, we're we're six months into the year. So we figure we're gonna check in with our New Year's resolutions. So Mike has them written down. I have no idea what's coming. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm nervous to what I said. I have too. no <laughs> recollection of what my resolutions. Are. So there are some good ones. There are some funny ones considering how you know this year has gone, and there's some ridiculous ones. So Trent, we'll start with you. We'll oh, rattle off a couple of your ridiculous ones. Um, so your first one was you wanted to spread love and read books. <laughs> how, I is have, that, how is that going? I have spread so much love this year. Um, shout out to my girlfriend. But I've also read a lot of books. This has been a big book reading year for me. Um, I actually am getting in trouble with the library being closed. I can't be a library guy anymore. I like to be in a, you know, a city library dude. So that's been tough. But well, so there was some of these that were hurt by, you know, the whole quarantine deal. But I don't think you realized how, you know, favorable of a year you were going to have to read some books. It's been a, it's been a big book year. I'm pretty, pretty proud of myself. You crushing books? Oh, how many I books crushed, you on? I crushed books like. Which for me is crush. I crush books probably like once, once every three weeks now. I bet you I've read Good like for you. six books that this is year. Holy Good for you. Yeah, that's a that, lot I probably books. exaggerated, but I bet I've done five to six this year. All right. And another one for you was don't break your computer. Dude. How's that one going? <laughs> this, is, this is one of the best buys I've ever had. I mean, I feel like, you know, you say that's the best, whatever, 80 bucks you ever spent in your life, best hundred bucks a year spent in my life. Usually it's at a casino and it turns into something, but I bought this <laughs> computer case. You know, I did my research on it, bought this heavy duty computer case. And ever since I've had it on, it just feels indestructible. I'm so much more confident, you know, 
taken it anywhere I go. It's probably saved me thousands of dollars at this point that I haven't shattered my computer. So um, A plus on the year's resolution right there. Do you remember when Trent's computer got run over by a car? <laughs> That's what caused me to buy this damn case. I, I literally just crap. like am riding my bike home and I turn around and, and there's my uh, there's my bag on the ground with a shattered computer in the <laughs> All right, Steve, one of your, oh oh one of your goals was to be successful on TikTok. Hey, hey, I, I that, know, baby. I'm saying how many how many views does that uh, that TikTok video have? Listen, I got I got uh, I got over 10,000. Wow. Let's 10, go. 000, baby. That's a lot of views on TikTok. Yeah. You're like a TikTok superstar. That's right. He's the oldest guy on TikTok. <laughs> Pretty close. Hey, but I did I nail that? Did I nail that? You did. It was that, very good. Very resolution good. or what? You, wait, wait, Steve, plug your TikTok right now. Uh, it's called Peak Too Early. Uh, oh, ever heard of it? Yeah. Um, all right. I had one. It was uh, figure out how to record three mics on a live recording. <laughs> I would say that was a failure. Um, but good news for me, we have a producer now. So the onus to figure out how to live record on three mics is now on producer flow. So uh, good luck, good luck, because uh, it's probably the hardest thing in the whole wide world. When but, was the last time we attempted that? I think it was a, uh, it was in, Wobble, uh, right? it was in Atlanta. Uh, didn't we, didn't we try to do it with Fobble? Uh, that, that was before the marathon. It was in oh, Atlanta right, for right, the marathon. Right, yeah. And that was, I mean, talk about a disaster. Holy crap. We were so hungover. And here I am. We only have like 30 minutes left in our Airbnb. So I'm scrambling to try and figure this out. I'm like sweating. And it was just a disaster. Absolute disaster. So that so, didn't go good. Thank God we have ProFlow here. And Mike is now giving up on this. Because the worst so part about happy. this resolution is that you wouldn't just say, I can't do it, guys. Right? Or I, I failed to figure this out. You would always say, I got this. I know what to do. I, and then I me and Steve, feel like ho- ho- if, hold on, hold on, Michaelton. Me I and feel Steve, like I can do it. Me and Steve would sit there and wait about like 20 to 30 minutes each time before being like, Mike, we're just going to go in separate rooms right now. I mean, it was, it was just pathetic how you just couldn't admit defeat. So thank God for pro flow. See, before you said that, I was ready to give this to flow. But now I'm kind of, I kind of feel like it's a point of pride. <laughs> oh, I feel like next time I might try it again. So, all right, Trent, back, back to you. I mean, this one is just. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm excited. This one, you said you wanted, to, you wanted to become a massage guy. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> so, I still want to be a massage guy. Unfortunately, <laughs> this whole coronavirus thing has just ruined the the this massage industry in Boston and I haven't been able to obtain one but I absolutely believe in that resolution and if if the masseuses are out there and if they're ready to to give me a massage I'm I'm gonna get back on that resolution and try to succeed by the end of the year if you say so no shame in being a massage guy all right Steve this one that you said you want to compete as a team at USATF Club Cross Country, how's that one going for us? Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to get canceled. So, uh, uh, yeah. you know, out of my control, out of my control. But sure. I will say I am no closer to being in shape to compete at Club Cross than I was six months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think we can blame that on the current situation. Yeah, yeah, it's Corona. Um, and this on one corona. I said I wanted to be a backwards hack guy. I feel like I did a pretty good job with that. 
I feel like I there was only like see I have a small head so it's hard for me to find hats that fit me right but I found one hat that fits me right you know backwards and so I run in that one a lot and it's you know I got to catch up on it on my wash cycle but I feel like I'm slowly becoming a backwards hat guy. I got a lot of work to do but it was good progress do you wear the backwards hat when the sun is in front of you still because those people drive me nuts I I would say I, I don't delineate on where the sun is in the sky. Wow. It's a, deci- it's a decision that gets made before I leave the house. Wow. For sure. You can be a backwards hat guy. I'm all in for backwards hat guy. But when you see backwards hat guy and he has like, he's squinting his eyes or whatever because the sun's coming <laughs> in his face. It's like backwards hat guy. Just become a forward hat guy for 20 minutes. Well, well hold on. So I'm also a, um, you know, like a curved brim, like a really hardcore curved brim guy. So when I, when I curve my brim that hard, it's hard to wear sunglasses. So sometimes I need to go backwards hat to wear sunglasses. You know what I'm saying? Yes, but you can, maybe you need to curve your brims a little less. That's all I have to say. I I mean, that's just how I am. I'm old school. You know what I mean? Like I'm, you know, you gotta gotta beat the shit out of the brim and, you know, like an old school baseball player. Um, So Trent we're going to rattle off a couple here. Jeez, a lot of, a lot of resolutions from Trent, huh? Trent had a ton. Steve, you had like three. Trent had like nine. Um, Trent had, we're going to execute on the shit that we talk about doing. Yeah. Yeah, we went to the trials this year. Okay, Listen, yeah, I'd say we're like 10% success rate. Listen, I, I want to comment on that. I want to comment sure. on that. Listen, there, there's some stuff we say that doesn't happen. But we're doing a lot. Like, sure, I don't know if sure. I could do any more than what we're doing. I would say it's more of like, we have these big ideas and we get super excited about them. And then we move on to like more attainable goals and like realistic things. So there's still stuff flowing out in the peak too early atmosphere that just may or may not. I, no, they'll happen. Uh, they'll happen. happen. They'll all happen eventually. Just just not yet. All right, uh, you, got Trent, you, you also had get a random DM to your your personal instagram account have, has that happened yet can somebody dm trent please can just somebody DM. please just dm yeah. trent, trent fontanella he's got the old p school p2e logo just dm him. So, please just somebody dm him uh you had win a road race uh nope but again nope. but again pandemic nope. a lot of road PR, races were canceled pr in the marathon uh no but yeah, again no. But again pandemic haven't haven't signed up for a marathon to happen yet but uh these three are pretty pretty easy for me to rattle off that i have not done um stretch more i mean just hasn't happened drink more water it, it's something i gotta do but i just don't and then take take running more seriously um I mean, I'm working on it now, but well, that video say, dropped yesterday, Mike. Yeah, the video dropped, so I am. I would say that resolution you starts, starts away. And Steve, your last one, this one, I mean, is our biggest success yet. Drop some P2E t-shirts. Let's fucking yeah, go! Yeah, I mean, hey, we did that. Dude, I crushed that. my New Year's resolutions. You did well. You did well. Me and Trent did not do great. Hey, yeah, I had some good ones. I read some books this year. Yeah, but you didn't get any massages. They're coming. They're coming. I would say overall as a group, I thought, you know, if you just said, uh, or when this was, when you did say, when this this segment was introduced and you said, we're going to go back through our New Year's resolutions, I would have thought we'd have about like a a 10% hit rate, a 20% hit rate max. 
But as a group, I mean, good job, guys. Well done. The good news is we still have six months to go, right? Like yeah. we can still get all of these accomplished by the end of the year. And we'll check in. We'll check in at the end of the year. Do you guys have any any ones you you want to add at this point? I mean, how about Pro Flow? Did, how are you doing on your New Year's resolutions? I know I you're just, not you're not you're not uh, well on your way to running that marathon you talked about, but <laughs> I'm just like a pretty standard every year. I give it some good thought, and then I just go with uh, I'm just gonna try to be a better person this year than I have been in the past, and that's pretty much so how, how how's that one going for you? Well, you're you're producing a a big time podcast, so I mean that's that's well on your way to being a better person. Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, it's been a little bit frustrating given the whole quarantine and whatnot. You know what I mean? It's not like it hasn't been, uh, the, the, it, we haven't been buzzing around like we have been normally. But overall, I think I've been a decent enough person. And like I said, uh, being on this podcast now couldn't be better. So I'm talking about. All right, boys. This has been a fun episode. Let's, uh, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? So, I mean, listen, it's a, it's a, an advantage for me over all you guys that I get to go first on all these things. I'll acknowledge that. But Cam Newton, I mean. Let's Cam, go. I'm, I Cam can't Newton, believe it's made it this Cam long. Newton's, I can't believe it's made it this long. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what else can I say? Cam Newton is the quarterback of the New England Patriots. I mean, I mean that's, you I don't mean, need to say anymore. But, Trent, what do you got for oh, people on the oh, I mean, hold on. Uh, sorry, okay, yeah. Re- rewind. What world are we living in? Cam Newton. <laughs> Can you imagine if a year ago you told me that Cam Newton was the, the starting quarterback in the Patriots? What world are we living in? So, That's Mike, one of two things are going to happen. Scenario one, he gets cut week two. Yeah, scenario I mean, that's very, very viable. Scenario two, Patriots win the Super Bowl. That's like, it. Those are it, the only two. one options. of those two <laughs> the scenarios. That's it. I, I don't see any in between. It's one of those two and, scenarios. And, Steve, even in scenario one, I'm not ruling out that we – don't win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I mean, it, this is amazing. Do you remember? Okay, so Fifth Avenue Mile when we got Antonio Brown. <laughs> things looked things look like, I mean, the Patriots won the Super Bowl for like two weeks. And then, <laughs> and then Antonio Brown thing went to hell, and then the Patriots went to hell. It's all history from there. But I kind of, I kind of, last night I felt the same way we did that night in mm-hmm. New York when we got Antonio Brown. The reason that we ran so bad at the Fifth Avenue Mile is because we got so hammered the night before the race because we signed Antonio Brown that day. It wasn't our fault. We celebrated a Super Bowl championship before week one kickoff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Trent, what do you got for people on the bell up? Well, I can't really talk about anything else, right? It's going to be Cam Newton as well. So now I need to, to go back, watch some old press conferences, and decide, am I a fedora guy? You know, I, I wasn't a fedora guy. I used to think he, he looked a little silly out there. But am I a fedora guy now? I think if anyone could rock it, I mean, maybe this is just my ego, but I think I look good in a fedora. So maybe I'll get a fedora with a big P2E logo on the front. How badass would that be? And rock that. Merch, baby. Let's do it. So to your point there, Trent, I was like the most anti-dab guy in the world. I am huge dab guy now. I'm just going to be dabbing everywhere i'm gonna be like at a, a sports bar if we can ever go to sports bars again just you know rocking my patriots jersey just dabbing everybody's face it's gonna be incredible <laughs> i uh i kind of miss jared stidham though <laughs> it was a fun, like, <laughs> was a fun two stidham. months we were all getting really really i mean it was i'm gonna go on a little rant here but 
it was so classic, like local, <laughs> like media, like getting so fired up for Jared Stidham and everyone is just finding all his good throws and making highlight videos of that. Uh, and every, you know, anonymous source is saying he looks great. And Belichick is like the only, you know, realist in the room that's like, listen, guys, we're not going to win the Super Bowl with Jared Stidham. This year. <laughs> hey, how about, how about the New England Patriots are turning into just the landing spot for all Auburn quarterbacks? Right? Yeah. All right, so on my Bell app, I just want to say, actually, I forgot. Let's toss it a pro flow. What do you got on your Bell yeah, app? Yeah, that was kind of messed up. I, I do have a resolution, actually, because I'm going to take this race very seriously, and this won't be every Bell app. It's not going to be about this, but that's my resolution is for the next month or two, whatever it is, I'm going to change some things. I'm going to get after this. I'm going to change the way I eat. I'm going to not drink so many Miller Lights. And I'm going to really give this thing a, a run and try to give you a run for your money, Mike. So that's my resolution. Talk to me in two months to see where we're at. See if I'm – see if how I do. So there you go. Write it down. All right. I got a lot on my bell lap. Just a reminder, we announced it last week. The P2E two-miler is coming up. We're going to – you know, you can, you can sign up for that by buying a T-shirt in a couple weeks. There will be more info to follow on that. And I got a couple shout-outs for people. I got to give a shout out to my wife, Erin. She's crushing a run streak. She started a run streak um, almost 70 days ago. She hasn't missed a day. She's going to keep it going to 100 and beyond. So shout out to my wife for crushing that run streak. Steve, I, have a, three, shout- I have a three-run run streak. Yeah. Is yeah that, I mean, you got to shout that she's out. crushing all of us. Um, and then shout out to my boy, Jono, right? So I got a drunken call from my, my cousin, Paul Gendron last night saying Jono thinks he can run a six minute mile in six weeks and they're all laughing at him actually it started off as five minute mile right and so and they're like they're like we need you to tell Jono that he can't do a five minute mile and I'm just like all right Jono there's there's no way in hell you can do a five minute mile the guy I mean the guy hasn't run since maybe high school we're in our early 30s right and so I was like, there's no way you can run a five-minute mile in six weeks. And I said, okay, you guys are drinking. Like, I'm a gambling man. Like, I love this sport. Like, let's figure out a bet, like a reasonable bet, like a, an extreme stretch. But let's figure out a reasonable bet. And I said, I'll coach you. And so we settled on if my boy Jono can break a six-minute mile by October, he wins a bunch of money from all my other friends. So I'm taking on this task. My guy, Jono, who is very far from being a runner. We're going to turn him into a runner step-by-step. Maybe we'll make it some content on the podcast, on the Instagram. We're going to have some fun with this. But I got this. Jono and I got this. So other than that, boys, boys, I wouldn't run faster, but I peaked too early. Pat, hit me with the Josie.
is it outrageous to say that Red is the greatest Taylor Swift album of all time? Like, will you be offended by that? No, it's not outrageous. It's not outrageous. I don't agree with it, but it's not outrageous. We see this video that what is like put together. What's the greatest Taylor Swift album of all time? Fearless. Fearless is yeah, I agree. I think that's second. 